the blue spot becomes so incredibly important. And that's why melatonin is so important because it stops us. It slows us down. We need that pause. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and check movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 209 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Lauren, tuning in from Maryland. I'm back in nature, you guys. And I'm joined by my sister, Renee Bell, across the country in Las Vegas, per Although, usual. Nothing changes over here. You're very Although, consistent. Very consistent. Although this heat is not consistent. We hit 117 the other day. Yeah, Woo-hoo. I don't think there's anything consistent about any weather anywhere in the world right now. It's <laughs> wild. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, right. Goodness. Okay, this episode. Fun. We're like, uh, I'm on fire right now. But um, before we tell you what's coming, pop quiz question of the day, Renee, post this episode. What are you really excited about dosing? Oh, everything. <laughs> um, you got to pick one thing, Renee. Yeah, I'm Pressure's literally on. gonna. I'm literally gonna go on a shopping spree. Maybe the number one is just the ability to dose more methylene blue. I love methylene blue. I feel like I talk about it all the time. I just, it's one thing that I really feel the change when I take it. I feel it immediately and it lasts for hours. And I know that it's also impacting my health long-term beneficially. And so, you know, and I don't believe all the fear online of like, oh, too much methylene blue. This is what's going to happen. Like I'm, I'm already taking pretty high doses, but now after hearing him talk today, him, you'll hear who it is soon. I feel like I can up that and do it more often. So that's my answer. Methylene blue. Mm -hmm. What about you? I think he certainly took a lot of fear away. And if you read his book, um, I think it'll, it'll really empower, educate and reduce the fears even more. But I am really interested in the Lucitol product he created, which is a blend of polyphenols for neuroprotection specific to, well, not specific to, but he recommended it specific to psychedelics, especially higher dose journeys. We know a lot of these can be really overstimulating to the brain. And since I'm doing a lot of microdosing coaching, it is more specific to macro, but I think on a lower level, we do need to be looking at compounds that can keep the brain, the nervous system in balance. Because these compounds do have, you know, some depleting effects. So I'm really, really kind of jazzed about the Lucitol, which he does talk about a little bit in the podcast. So we're bringing on Dr. John Laurence. He wrote the book, The Melatonin Miracle Molecule, amongst many other books. But he is, uh, that brain of his is just quite full, quite full. You may want to keep a notepad nearby during this podcast. He does jump around quite a bit. So we're going to recommend that you get his book because it is quite organized and you will get to just thumb through and look up exactly what information you want in as it relates to melatonin. But we talk a lot about methylene blue and we're really just trying to dispel the myths here about 
those higher doses of these compounds being detrimental. They're incredibly healing, especially when we talk about melatonin, because we talk about it as a sleep molecule, but it really is the hormone of darkness and it's doing so much for our healing capabilities. And the work that he is doing at his advanced rejuvenation center is just, just beyond. We're super impressed. Yeah, he's truly an innovator in the biohacking space. And I mean, the whole medical space, health space. He's just really at the forefront of some incredible research. And I'm I'm just blown away by all the work that he's doing. And, you know, on this podcast, we are we are trying to get away from just like talking about products, right? We, we always talk about the lifestyle things and everything. But his products are just so uniquely formulated. There's nothing else like it on the market. And I have tried several of them. And actually one that we didn't even talk about today, the uh, Zen Mist, the nasal spray. I've been experimenting. I haven't tried it yet. You haven't done it. Okay. I'm going to call you later. We're going to FaceTime. We're going to do it together. We're just going to do it. But I did it the other night. I went to a sound bath, breath work, new moon ceremony with my friend Dave. And we both did a spray right before. And it was like, Oh, it was incredible. It, I highly recommend it before like a breathwork session or anything like that. But that was druggy. You're such a natural druggy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, definitely take some notes, scroll back. We're going to put as much as we can in the show notes for today's episode. And yeah, it was a fun one. Yeah. So as Renee said, it, there is a lot about product, but I really want everyone to tune into the education around this because we have to change the narrative about melatonin. He does a fabulous job for that. And if you were dealing with any kind of chronic illness, you could go see him, but definitely do your own research. And just for general use, I think there's a lot of applications here. So get your notepads ready. Here's a little bit more about him. Dr. John A. Lawrence is an author, physician, lecturer, scientific advisor for mitozen.com, an educator to those seeking vitality, longevity, and enhanced consciousness. His interest is in connecting what he calls the three legs of a stool, vitality of the body, mind mastery, and a direct experience of God. Using science and ancient wisdom, he aims to connect these dots in his own journey to becoming the best version of himself in this life. Diving deeply into many healing methods to discover the deepest and most profound means to activate cellular energy, such as with melatonin, methylene blue, and NAD+, as well as fasting with various nutrients to activate responses. Dr. John explores many new paths in the healthcare world with his unique and fresh ideas using various delivery systems, such as suppositories and nasal sprays and various protocols he has created. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah, let's do it. Three, two, one. All right. Welcome, John Laurent, to the Biohacker Babes podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I am so fascinated by your background. I feel like I'm going to be looking and picking out little um, storytelling items throughout the show. But it's really fun what's happening back there. Oh, behind me? Yeah. 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 Well, this is my, this is the room I do all my uh, treatments. Well, my treatments really more in, in lines with like the endonasal work and the functional neurology. And then Right over here, we have a much bigger room where we have a big ultrasound with this big screen TV. And so we do our regenerative kind of stem cell therapy in there. Yeah, I mean, it's we we have 5,000 square feet here just clinically and then, but 20,000 in the whole building. So we have MitoZen next door and we've got an event center. We had a, a really epic event uh, last Friday. It was... Um, 
it was a women's health summit and we had Mindy Peltz here and Molly, yeah. Molly, Molly, Eastman, Molly was here. And Natalie. Natalie. I mean, it was so epic. It, just everybody really just showed up and, you know, represented their, their topic and we recorded it. And I'm like, just beyond excited about like getting it all edited and putting it out into the world. Excellent. Great. We'll make sure yeah. we come to the next one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, for our listeners, you are in Sarasota. You have the Advanced Rejuvenation Center and you're doing some amazing things. You also have a, a really cool pain to purpose healing journey, which we want to dive into and all the amazing things, which would probably take seven hours to, <laughs> to go over. But we're really, really excited to dive into melatonin. We call it the magic molecule. And um, we think the narrative is starting to change around melatonin. I'd be curious about your experience, but at least like in our circles and we're not middle America standard American diet, but I think it is starting to change, but there's still so much that people don't know about it. Yeah. Uh, what makes sense to me is that if melatonin is synced with the diurnal cycle of darkness and mm -hmm. when sleep is when we restore and recover, it would make mm -hmm. sense that melatonin would be an amazing molecule of healing. So I'm curious. I mean, there's so much we can talk about, but just to get started, if you were in an elevator with someone for two minutes, what would be, what would you share about melatonin? What would be your elevator pitch? Well, don't be afraid of it. It's not there. It's one of the few hormones, if not the only that doesn't have a negative feedback loop. So there's no reason to worry about shutting down your own production and there's no toxicity to it. And if you look at all of the different graphs that show like heart rate variability, right? I mean, it just goes down after 40. You look at all kinds of different aging markers, right? It's like when you get to 40, it just really goes down and, and melatonin is the same way. And so by changing that and bringing that melatonin back up, it's such a primary stress resilient molecule that I feel it holds a lot of a lot of potential to extend life and to for sure make life more enjoyable by allowing our body to be more resilient to stress. And so what stress ultimately does to us is create inflammation. And it does that in a variety of different ways, depending on what the stressor is like a sunburn, right? There's inflammation to the skin. Whereas if I ingest uh, a toxin, then I might have inflammation in my gut that might then get into my cardiovascular system, my liver, you know. So when those when those when that inflammation occurs, the body has a certain level of energy that it can expend to adapt to that stressor, which could be healing, it could be buffering the oxidation, it could be detoxing the whatever it is out of there. There, there's energy that needs to happen in order to deal with the stressor. And if we don't have enough energy to deal with that stressor and to bring things back to homeostasis, then we have disease. And so this is in essence how most all diseases develop in the body because we don't have the ability to drive these adaptation pathways to the point where we get back to um, a healthy status. And so without melatonin, we don't have as much capacity to in to endure stress before our energy centers just literally shut down. And that's called the cell danger response. 
And melatonin sits in every cell in the body, in every mitochondria. And it's there for us when things get a little overheated, when the stress starts to get a little bit too much, melatonin's there. If there's no stress, there's not really as much of a need for melatonin. And this is not necessarily melatonin as as it relates to the sleep-wake cycle, because that's pineal melatonin. And that's a tiny fraction of the melatonin that's produced in the body. And there's not really anybody talking about that. Most people talk about melatonin for sleep. And so we're, we're starting to get word out that, that melatonin, like for the gut, is incredible. 400 times more melatonin is produced in the gut than in the pineal. And what that does is they've, they've found that it suppresses the bad bacteria. So everybody wants to have good probiotics in their gut and a health gut. It's the melatonin that's secreted by the gut lining that supports that for the most part, because your, your, your beneficial flora are on a circadian rhythm, just like we are. And they, they require something called microbiome swarming. This is when they repopulate and rebuild. And that happens as a direct response to melatonin. So if there's not enough melatonin, you don't have enough of the good bacteria that repopulate with the microbiome swarming. And then you don't have that suppression of those bad bacteria. So you get something called dysbiosis. And this is why there's multiple studies showing that Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis and all these different digestive um, conditions respond really, really well to melatonin. I mean, you just look it up on the computer, go to Google Scholar and pull up melatonin and, 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 and gut and GI, and it just it, hundreds, hundreds of research. So I wrote the book, right? Melatonin Miracle Molecule, and it's broken up into a number of chapters. Um, and literally everything from cardiovascular, neurologic, liver, insulin, and, and, and blood sugar and diabetes, cancer, mental, emotional conditions, urinary kidneys. I mean, there's, there's studies on all of these and every one of these studies conclude the same thing. Like there, there doesn't seem to be any negative. It's completely safe and there needs to be more study and more research. So, and some of the studies are very high with melatonin. Um, I have a, we, we produce a product line with mitozen.club where we make high dose, super physiological melatonin. And these doses are in the hundreds of milligrams because we're, we're working with people that it's not just for sleep basically, but it can be pretty epic for sleep, especially if you're going past, um, time zones. You know, like I know you had said that, um, you're familiar with Ben Greenfield and his work and, um, do some coaching with him. And I don't know that Ben would travel without Sandman, you know, cause he calls us up and he says, I need this overnighted. Like, I, I don't want to go on this trip without my, my Sandman, the melatonin uh, sledgehammer is what he calls it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great product. And, and I've been experimenting with it for about six months. And something that I was really drawn to was when I first heard your story with like Lyme and Epstein Barr, because that has been a big part of my healing journey. Well, the Epstein Barr. And I definitely still find like if I get run down, if I'm not doing all the lifestyle things, all the biohacks, I can like have a reactivation. So when I heard your story about using the Sandman, I was like, oh, I got to try this. And I feel really good when I take it. I'm actually curious. I, I sleep like 12 hours when I take it. Um, mm. And I don't know if that's maybe it's just my body is like, hey, this is really good sleep. 
and I'm giving it to you and you just need to take it because of the virus. I don't know. Do you see that with some people that they can sleep just a lot with it? Well, some people, um, they, they're slow metabolizers of melatonin. And so what you, what you might try doing is taking it much earlier, but as long as you have light in your eyes, you're not going to, most people aren't going to get really sleepy. So you could take it say dinner time. And then let's say you ate dinner at six and you go to sleep at 10, then that should be eight hours, right? So if that would be 12 hours of time that would go by, then you would wake up and the melatonin would be kind of working its way out of your system. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then as soon as I wake up, I do, I immediately go outside and get the light in my eyes to try and clear that. And within 10 minutes, I feel awake. It's just, if I don't set an alarm, I'll just sleep. So yeah, yeah, that's great. I'll try and take it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. For the people that you said, uh, maybe they can't take it during the day, even in the presence of light, is that there's a genetic component that maybe we could see in a genetic profile, or do you think more often than not, it's just a timing issue? You know, I don't know what the, um, what the genetics, I'm sure that at some point they'll, they'll figure that out. It's really more just, you have to try it and see. I mean, even if there was some sort of genetics there, I would still recommend try it. If, if you need Mm -hmm. to take melatonin during the day, now, a lot of people, they might be listening to this thinking, why, why in the heck would I want to take melatonin during the day? Well, I wouldn't recommend it unless somebody was looking to utilize melatonin for some sort of a disease process. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I had cancer or if I had a severe degenerative neurologic disorder, like, like Parkinson's or something like that, then I would, I would take melatonin during the day and see if, how I tolerated it. Um, about 20% of the population is going to be really groggy and they're just, it's going to be really hard, but most people tolerate it really well, as long as there's light in the eyes. Mm, that makes sense to me. And what is yeah. the optimal dosing you said around dinner time? Cause I know that's probably a huge myth. People pop it right before they go to bed. And of course they feel groggy because it's not timed with the normal light dark cycle. Well, the, so we have two forms with the Sandman. One's a suppository and the other one's a liposomal. And the, the suppository generally takes about 30 to 45 minutes before it really starts to kick in. So I kind of recommend taking that earlier anyway. The liposomal kicks, kicks in pretty quick. What's nice about the suppository is it does last a long time, the peak plasma. So what, how it's, where it's explo- exposed in your bloodstream can be up to seven hours where the liposomal, you know, it's like within an hour, hour and a half, you know, it's in your system. And so it, it kicks in quicker, but it it doesn't carry you necessarily through the night as well as a suppository does. Some people take both. They, they just take, you know, a little bit of each, but I, you know, I think, I think if you're going to, if you're going to look at taking something and you want to get it, you want to go to sleep right away. Um, it's nice to have that Sandman liposomal in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So with dosing with like, when we're talking about higher dosing, obviously someone that is dealing with some kind of chronic illness, it sounds like this could be something they would do every day versus maybe someone that's just using it for recovering from jet lag or just a really extreme, I don't know, something intense over the weekend they're trying to recover from. Is that something maybe they would only do? that one night every so often, or can you do it more often? Yeah, I, I think it, it's all fine. I think, you know, okay, so let's look at, 
the beginning of melatonin, as far as when they first started studying it, they were looking at rodents in a lab and they gave the rodents melatonin then they gave the other ones nothing a placebo and they didn't notice any difference and what you have to realize is that these rodents kind of lived as if they were living at the ritz carlton i mean they had these like you know really clean cages they were eating you know amazing food and you know it was quiet and so there there was no stress for the rodents and so what they found, what the, and and that was their conclusion. This is that melatonin doesn't seem to do anything. They're like, yeah, it's like not really that big of a deal. So when they came back, what they did is they they stressed the 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 rodents, and they did it by putting them in a tube. And so they would put the rodents in a tube, and you imagine they're in this dark tube for like an hour or two hours a day. Like that would be really really stressful. And so what happens is the rodents from that stress, they have stress hormones and all the different diseases that would be associated with what they see with us because we're under so much stress, you know, premature death and, and diabetes and, 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 you know, all these different things. What they found is that the, the rodents that took the melatonin had much, much less challenges with a lot of these different diseases based on the stress. And so that's why when I'm asked if I have to say one thing about melatonin, I would say it was the ultimate stress resilience molecule because it's there when, when the oxidation in, in the mitochondria gets to a certain level, then melatonin kicks in and it quenches it, right? And what's really amazing about melatonin is that if you take it exogenously, it can go in and reverse something called the cell danger response where the the cell is literally stops making energy because the inflammation and the stress is too much for it to bear and it reverses it back into this um, energy cycle in the mitochondria um, so we can not only prevent the energy from shutting down but we can actually bring it back in and restart it by taking it oh wow that's yeah. so cool yeah, because fight or flight can shut down so many parts of the body. And so sometimes it's just getting the nervous system to be like, this is okay. It sounds like it's doing that in the mitochondria. Uh, you mentioned in your book, and you touched on this a little bit before, that a small amount is made in the pineal gland, but there's so much in the mitochondria. And you said in your book that it kind of stays in there. That's kind of like our backup reserve system. So is that what's responding in times of stress, whether it be chronic illness or even just something like jet lag? crossing time zones, like it makes sense that the melatonin is good for jet lag, not just because of the time zones, but because we're exposed to EMFs, noise, air pollution. So would that count as a time of stress? And that's the mitochondria that's responding primarily? Well, it sounds to me like you're, um, you're kind of looking at like some sleep wake stuff, but then there's also other stressors. And so what's coming to me is that there's like two aspects to consider. One would be the melatonin that's activating our circadian rhythm that's kicking in this go to sleep because when we're asleep when we're asleep it's our deep parasympathetic nervous system so we have this need to regenerate right and and our body goes into autophagy you know there's and the lymphatic system is cleansing the brain so there's very specific things that start to happen in that sleep cycle when we're awake, you know, we have to have our cardiovascular system kick in. We need a lot of noradrenaline in our brain so that 
our salient network can click in and we can like focus on certain things and we can get that high beta brainwave. And so those sets of, of physiological changes require this clock that is within our brain that is related to light hitting our eyes and then darkness. And so when the light hits our retina, we store melatonin in our pineal. And then when it's, when there's darkness, that, that melatonin then is, is released. And it's at that point that it were that we, we had kind of talked a little bit about the blue spot, right? So the blue spot is kind of like stimulating this noradrenaline throughout the brain. Right. And so if we stop that noradrenaline, we shut the brain down, the brain can quiet. And <clears throat> there's one particular activity that I think is fascinating with regards to this blue spot, which in it, it's called the locus cerulis, which in Latin means blue spot. So most people talking neurology will be saying the locus cerulis and the locus cerulis stores all of our short-term memory. And when we go to sleep, we actually have to be in REM sleep and we have to lower our stress hormones to transfer short-term memory to long-term memory where we're going to integrate it into things that we know. And if we don't, then we wind up perseverating on memories that have short-term memory. So a lot of PTSD, there's this inability to um, have memory consolidation and most people are not sleeping, right? Specifically, they're not getting enough REM sleep and they're too wound up because they're, they're having these stress responses. And what needs to happen is the locus cerulis needs to literally pause. It needs to stop. And so this whole aspect is really looking at this deep parasympathetic melatonin activation where things can really quiet down. And if the locus cerulis can't totally quiet down, it's not going to transfer that data because it's like a little thumb drive. And if it doesn't transfer that data, those memories are like, it's like having a party over and over and over again, but never cleaning up after the party. And mm. you just get everything cluttered, right? So we all know, you know, I'm sure most people can kind of connect with a time in their life that maybe they were, they were feeling that they're going a little crazy. You know, it's like, you're perseverating over something like, why am I like constantly thinking about this? Like, I can't just get over it. Right. It's like, you know, like something we did. Right. It's like, oh man, why'd I say that? Right. Can't let it go. Yeah. Yeah. That but then eventually you can let it go. Right. It takes, but it takes a little time, you know, or if you lose a loved one, you know, it's like, oh, it's so painful, but give it some time. Right. And so what happens is those those nights of sleep that we're able to just kind of like integrate these experiences into our life, we have to be able to really calm our nervous system down. And that's where the blue spot becomes so incredibly important. And that's why melatonin is so important because it it stops us. It slows us down. We need that pause. And what's really fascinating, I know you want to talk about methylene blue, but methylene blue actually supports this locus cerulis. I'm actually working on a book um, just totally surrounded about the blue spot because there's your whole sense of fear is all stored in this because um, if you think about like noradrenaline, right, it's like that, oh my God, right? And so this is the main regulator of all of those systems in the brain. And 
CO2 sensing. So when we hold our breath, everybody's into breath work now. And so am I. And when we hold our breath at some point, we get this urge to breathe and it's like a fear response. Like, and what is that at the deepest level? It's like, I'm going to die. Right. I got to breathe. Otherwise I'm going to die. Right. Yeah. And so it's that really deep, deep fear. And that fear is coming through the locus surrealis and anxiety and depression are very much related to this area of the brain, not functioning very well. And because it gets, it, it doesn't slow down. It, it's, it's ramped up too much. So there's ways to take care of this where we are going to consolidate our memory. We're going to have less anxiety. We're going to have less depression. We're going to be able to regulate our stress response much, much better. Now, this is what this, this is the part about the, the blue spot that absolutely blew my mind. They have done studies and they've shown that when people get Alzheimer's, the first place in the brain that shows these beta amyloid plaques is guess where? In the blue spot? In the blue spot. And that all of the symptoms surrounding Alzheimer's are to do with the dysfunction of the blue spot and that it precedes even stage one Alzheimer's. And so there's this idea of the endotoxins, right? So this kind of you know, we're, we're, people might have to rewind and listen to this more than <laughs> once. So endotoxins are basically as a result of microbes. So we get microbial overgrowth in our, in our doorways. I talk about Ganesh and the Lord of doorways and taking care of your doorways. And so the nasal passage, the mouth, the colon are your primary doorways, where mm-hmm. if we don't take care of them, we don't have good hygiene then there's microbial overgrowth that's going to allow these outgassing of endotoxins to then enter the body. They call that endotoxemia. And this is related to just a whole host of diseases. And so nasal hygiene and mouth hygiene tend to really have a very strong connection with brain inflammation. And so the trigeminal nerve innervates these areas of the body. And if you follow the trigeminal nerve back, it connects to the blue spot. And so they're, they're th- they think that there's some sort of retrograde through those nerves where it's carrying the endotoxins and then it accumulates in the blue spot. And from there, it goes up to the cortex. So mm. this, wow. this blue spot is just fascinating to um, consider a strategy to take care of it. And taking care of your your oral hygiene, your nasal hygiene, looking at, you know, having a, a strong digestive system and microbiome. There's there's um your your sleep wake cycle, things with with the evening, you know, protecting your sleep. So not arguing with people late at night and having your low stress hormones, right? So you want to be able to pause that locus surrealis you have to really like think about your sleep and leading into your sleep with care and and not working late and and you know we've all been up where we like maybe got into an argument or maybe we were working on a project and we're excited about it and we can't go to sleep right mm-hmm. and so there's different levels of that and you have to really start looking at what that might mean to your mental emotional well-being because you're not able to sleep deep enough you're not able to pause the blue spot. You're not able to consolidate your memories. Mm. Why is it called the blue spot? Is there a connection yeah, to like to that too. <laughs> methylene blue or is that totally random? Well, it's blue. 
It's literally it's, blue. The tissue is dissect blue. The, it, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. actually, it's actually a, a small blue shaded area in the brainstem. It's in the pons, the part of the brainstem okay. called the pons. And what's interesting is there's a very strong connection with methylene blue and the blue spot, which to me, I, there's just some, it's just fascinating. You know, it's like blue is my favorite color too, by the way. Me too. Me too. Blue, my whole house is blue. Uh, my wedding colors were blue. I just, I love blue. I'm surprised I'm not yeah. wearing it today. And I love uh, methylene blue. So yeah. the blue for everyone. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Such a strong connection to that color. Yeah. So the, the, there's something, there's something with the mitochondria and the locus cerulis, the, the nerves there are incredibly high metabolic demand. So when you start having low energy levels, this is an area that can really start to suffer and show signs of weakness. And so methylene blue is so powerful at activating mitochondria that it has an effect on the meth, the, the blue spot so much so that they've actually done studies on memory consolidation. And so like, I'll give you an example, like where you would really want a strong memory consolidation would be as if you had somebody that had a phobia and you were going to do some sort of a therapy on this phobia, like they were afraid of snakes or spiders or something like that. Right. So a typical thing they would do in, in an office is they would do exposure therapy, right? So you would have like a little box and there would be a spider in it and you'd have to look at the spider and then, you know, you'd get exposed. And so then what they found is if they gave these patients one single dose of methylene blue after their therapy, that the results were like way better because it helped um, memory consolidation. How, what was the dose on that? Do you know how high? For the methylene blue? I don't remember the dose on that study. Okay. No, I, I, That's fascinating. It's in, my, it's in my book. I'm actually working on the second edition that should be out on Amazon soon. And I added all kinds of juicy stuff on the blue spot. And so right now I have the first edition available at methylenebluebook.com. Um, and it's just an ebook and it's a smaller book, but this is, this is going to be like really good. I'm really excited about it. It should be like two months and it'll be launched. Oh, awesome. we're excited. And I have a lot more questions about methylene blue. All right, biohackers. I'm not supposed to confess this to you, but screw it. Do you want to hear what my real sleep routine sounds like sometimes? I curl up in bed, lights on. They may be red lights, but they're lights. Phone on, sometimes good old Netflix playing on the TV. And you know what I call this little catastrophe cocktail? Well, my nervous system certainly doesn't think it's winding down, and I've earned it, right? Look, we've all been there. It's an endless cycle that just keeps repeating itself. I know sometimes I think, one more thing, one more thing, and then I'll put my phone down. What happens is we wake up with more brain fatigue the next day, which makes us more prone to make poor decisions again on crappy sleep. And it's just like Groundhog Day without the happy ending in Bill Murray. But today, I finally got the happy ending. <laughs> no kidding. I'm I'm actually having one of my raddest days ever, and it's all because of buy optimizers. I mean, who else would it be than those guys? Man, they have a great track record of always nailing it. So what do they do? Well, they create a little sleep hygiene ritual that involves a delicious little beverage that will knock you on your bottom with the healthiest non-habit-forming ingredients. 
You've heard us rave about Magnesium Breakthrough, and it's awesome because we have the same brains and magic behind this one, Sleep Breakthrough. It's just like that. So the reason you're not sleeping is, of course, lack of good sleep hygiene, but also could be nutrient deficiencies and the ingredients that we need to get into deep restorative sleep. If you want to learn more, you can go to sleepbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and get yourself an education that will change your life. It sure did for us. Trust me, we don't want to put this off any longer. Sleep is our superpower, but a lot of us are doing it really wrong. The real fix is finally here, and you know that we love our sleep, so we would not say that lightly. Go to sleepbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and use code biohackerbabes10 to get a surprisingly cool free gift too. That's sleepbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes to learn all about these amazing ingredients and formulation and a delicious nighttime cocktail. All right, biohackers, let's get back to the show. I just want to say how fascinating it is that a lot of this comes back to the body's stress response. And I think that's a big motivation for us to biohack is to like improve our resiliency. But interesting about the endotoxins, like something like LPS being such a root cause for immune activation, neuroinflammation. And actually, this is really great on the heels of an episode we just released with our dad, who's a biological dentist. And he uh-huh. looks at jaw structure and sleep apnea, sleep disordered breathing. So that's like, really huge in our world, but doorway. It, he's a doorway doc, just like, he's a you know, doorway doc. <laughs> totally. Doorway really doc. Is. Looking yeah. at the holes, at least the holes up here. Um, <laughs> well, and then, you know, the holes with your melatonin. So yeah, he, <laughs> our dad is a big fan of this, all your suppositories. He has all of them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. But I'm really interested in the neuroinflammation, which stems from my, uh, microglial activation, which you talk about in your book, the glial activation, which picks up the cytokine storm, activates the immune system more upstream than neurotransmitters, which when we're talking about depression, neurodegeneration, and a lot of people are just blaming the neurotransmitters, but what's happening more upstream with the glial cells? Well, glial cells are like a chihuahua with a bazooka, right? So (laughs) (laughs) one more time, they're they're (laughs) tiny cells, but once they get pissed off, they're just going to, they're going to start blasting away at everything around barking. them and they don't stop, you know, like chihuahuas, once they start barking, man, they just won't stop. Right. Oh yeah. So, don't yeah. want to be around that. Don't want so, to be around it's the hard to quiet them down. Right. And yeah. so what we want to do is we want to, we want to quiet and calm the glial activation down. And this is the biggest, you know, it's like with traumatic brain injuries, you know, we look at concussion and we look at these um, football players and hockey players that are hitting their head and they're getting these, they're getting concussed. And then it's activating the glial cell breaks down the blood brain barrier. And you have, you know, endotoxins and different substances that enter the brain, which are further activating the glial cells. And sometimes those glial cells will continue to be activated for months and a lot of the damage from concussion could even occur throughout the months following the actual injury. And so if we can deal with these glial cells, it would just be phenomenal. So I was really excited about introducing suppositories to the NFL. I thought it was going to be a huge hit because, you know, Will Smith came out with the the, the movie concussion and, 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 and I started to really deep dive into all of these like plant polyphenols like quercetin and 
fizetin and sterile stillbeing and curcumin. And, and so these are like really, really colorful, bright polyphenols, and they're incredibly anti-inflammatory. Resveratrol is another one. Some of them can be quite life-extending in, in studies, but they're they're very quenching to glial cells. And most of these have like literally like studies that they've done where they've they've documented how powerful they are at kind of silencing this glial activation down but they're not absorbable orally like you look at curcumin and it's like terrible absorption so if you could do an iv so we we actually do iv curcumin here at our clinic and we combine that with um, blue light intravenous blue light because it, it has a photodynamic aspect of it so there's all kinds of really cool stuff you can do but it's not like you're going to do a, a curcumin iv on the side of the football field. So I was thinking, you know, it, they need something right there. Patients, the, these, these uh, players get hurt. They can do something right away or even take it before they go out in the field. So that's where I, um, I developed uh, a product called Lucitol. And the Lucitol is, is just all these powerful polyphenols in a suppository. And it's, and its primary purpose was to really calm down glial activation in the brain. It's very, very good for, for the brain and for um, um, calming down neuroinflammation. It's, it's the, one of the major parts of my neuroprotection with plant medicine, where it's something that you can take that doesn't allow that like overactivation, particularly with like MDMA or MDA, you know, those types of um, substances can be quite over uh, stimulating to the brain. But what happened was I wound up finding that this was like the most epic thing for fasting and it's become much more popular with people um, with fasting because these are all also synolytics. So everybody's kind of looking at fasting because we're cleaning up these zombie cells, right? These, these old cells that need to be recycled. And so synolytics like physotin and sterile stillbeing are probably the two most powerful in, in Lucitol. So we have this pro protocol called the fast track fast. And part of it is you're taking the, the um, Lucitol while you're fasting, you're getting this like stacking effect to really clear out the senescent cells and the football players weren't interested. There's no support for me. Why? Really? They were just afraid of putting things up, up their butt. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I approached, on, I approached guys. some people that were big deals in the NFL and they're like, that's nah, not going to fly. So, wow. Let, Could, let's circle back in a couple of years. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. one's listening to this right now and, and they're getting excited and thinking, yeah, this is a great idea. I just think the, it's maybe too early, but I think it's, it, it really is a phenomenal idea for these guys. Like I think for before they go on, you know, because it's going to be so protective to their brain. Otherwise, you know, they're going to be suffering terrible consequences years down the road. Mm, yeah. I mean, it makes so, perfect sense. Unlike dosing melatonin in response to stress, these compounds that are like great for stress and longevity are great preventatively as well as post. Absolutely. I would. Yeah. If you're going to be engaging in any type of high contact sports, I mean, if you're like you know, MMA, like I work with you, the um, UFC. In fact, um, Dana White flies me out and I've treated some of the top champions out there with my endonasal treatment, right? Because I do this balloon adjustment where it goes in the nose and it 
like readjust the facial bones and those cranial bones. And the suppositories have not been something that, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone out there and I've given Dana, you know, a couple packs of suppositories and he always laughs and he gives them to like whoever's standing next to him. Like, you know, there's no way. It's so, so easy. It's so I, easy. I, I know. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's not, it's like no big deal. You don't even know it's there. You know, it takes two seconds. And I think it's, I, I kind of had the same thing in the beginning with suppositories, but if it wasn't for, I was so desperate because I was so sick and when then when I did it, I noticed such a big difference, way beyond anything I would take as a supplement orally. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe some of these people aren't experiencing the full detriments of what's happening in their brain yet. You know, I think sometimes you have to really feel the pain, like you did. Yeah, to do something. But I'm so I'll have to ask. Do you know Misha Tate? She's a USC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she she's a biohacker. She like does yep. all kinds of stuff. Um, has she tried any of this? Yes, yeah, she likes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. She really, she yeah. really likes the methylene blue, the lu- the lumetol blue. Oh, she's okay. got a hyperbaric. Um, she's got a couple of hyperbaric chambers and this really awesome facility in in Las Vegas. Yeah, she's like five minutes down the road from me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great place. With red light bed and the IVs and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, cool. I'm happy to hear she's into all this. That's great. Yeah. 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 So the with methylene, methylene blue is really epic to take before hyperbaric oxygen. Because it's increasing, it's already increasing the oxygen uptake ability in the body. And then you're just pumping more oxygen in what's happening there. Um, well, okay. So if we look at the mitochondria and we consider what's happening in the mitochondria in order to make energy robustly, we have electrons that are moving, right? And so oxygen is donating an electron. So what happens with the methylene blue is it gets into the mitochondria and it acts to donate electrons and accept electrons. So it's an oxidation and a reduction. So it's, it's doing both. And because it can do both, it can recycle these electrons. And so it's almost like a superconductor type of thing that happens. And so if you add oxygen into that system, so, okay, if the research that they've done so far where they've looked at hyperbaric oxygen and how it might enhance things with methylene blue hasn't really been that exciting, but I can tell you personally, I have a soft chamber at home. And when I combine methylene blue um, hyperbaric oxygen and, and light therapy. I, I use the sauna space or I'm out in the sun It is epic. And I've had the same response from patients and friends that I've turned on to this. There just seems to be a synergy. So within that mitochondria, we kind of go back to that narrative. Um, we can use both electrons and photons. And so when the methylene blue gets in there, it can absorb the red light and it reflects the blue. That's what makes it um, that blue color. And so when you get the right light in the red spectrum, it'll absorb into that mitochondria, into that methylene blue, and then it'll activate within that system. So you have photons and electrons both working to kind of make that energy with that ATP. And then you force oxygen, more oxygen into that system. It just ramps it up. Mm. Yeah, I personally have to say, like, 
I feel like I've tried so many supplements, IVs. I I rarely feel anything. I mean, I've even done like NAD IVs, things like that. But methylene blue with red light or sunlight, I'm supercharged. I can like run further. Uh, my brain is sharper. My energy is just amazing. It's just, it's one thing that I can really, really feel the difference. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I feel the same I thing when, the, when I had COVID last, it was like methylene blue and I'm going to go sit in the sun, just Sunday. Yeah. And you I just was taking, and I was doing hyperbaric and I was taking your melatonin and yeah. you know, I got, I, I was sick. Like I was feeling pretty lousy, but I will say afterwards there was no lingering effects, right? Like so many mm-hmm. people are suffering from the stuff that's just happening for months after. And it was like, I was done. It was done when I was done. How many, how much, um, methylene blue are you guys taking milligram wise? I'm actually taking a pretty low dose, which I am very curious to ask you about because there's just so much fear out there about not taking higher doses. I think because of some old flawed research perhaps, but definitely have been a little more conservative with it. And I'd probably take more. I've been doing, I usually do 16 milligrams. That's what I've been doing for at least a year. But now that I'm using yours, I started with a quarter trochee. Now I'm doing half a trochee, half the square, uh, which is how much. Like 80, 90 milligrams. Okay. If you're good with that, then maybe I can up it. Well, it depends. I mean, if, if I felt sick, like if I was dealing with COVID or something like that, I would probably ramp it up to two, 300 milligrams. Personally, I might even go up to five, okay. but I wouldn't stay on that long-term. You know, some people that have really dug through the research are coming back saying, you know, a daily dose of 15 milligrams is really dialed in and that you should take that every day for the rest of your life. Otherwise you're hmm. crazy because it has <laughs> such amazing benefits to the body. Wow. But you know, when when I look at the research, I don't see why why people would want to take more and experiment with more to see what serves them because um, there doesn't seem to be any major risk with methylene blue as long as you're not kind of exceeding uh, four milligrams per kilogram of body weight, which on most people is going to be you know a couple hundred milligrams anyway. So starting out low and and not being afraid to build up. Um, to between a half a milligram to four kilograms per day, you might find that more works really well for you. You might find that less, you can kind of rotate around, but I'd say like 15 milligrams a day should be something that most people should take in this day and age for protection. Mm. Okay. And the the titration is really important. What, What would be the disadvantages of just like going high out of the gate? Um, yeah, there's, there's really no disadvantage. You could, you could go high right out of the gate. Occasionally people will have what's called a Herxheimer reaction, which is a die off because it is very antimicrobial. And so it could be killing off parasites in your gut or Epstein-Barr viral load or something like that. It's, it, it works against Lyme. So if one takes it and starts to feel a little bit off, you want to keep kind of pushing through because it's probably doing some cleaning, but most people tolerate it really well. Most people don't have that reaction okay. that I've okay. seen. I wanted to know about like it uh, colors your urine, right? Like there's kind of a blue green color. Is that any indication of the absorption or how well it's working or any clues as to how we could titrate better? Yeah. So if it's blue, 
when it starts to get green, it's when you're dehydrated, right? So the yellow and the blue together kind of create the green chemistry. Yeah. So <laughs> you're probably not as dehydrated if it's blue. And you know, what's a lot of fun in the wintertime is to go what? make some blue snow. Oh, why have I not thought of this? I'm or not no more in July. Okay. Not but, in Vegas. But you're, also, but you're also, it's harder to pee in the pool without people knowing what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you so that's old for hydrated and not on blue. Yeah. So that right. old myth of like, if you pee in the pool, it'll turn blue. Really, those people were just taking methylene blue all this time. Pretty much. <laughs> Nothing to do with the chlorine. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so also, what's the deal with being able to just swallow it? I've heard you say like something is actually happening in the gut when we just swallow it versus doing like a sublingual or I don't even know IV. I don't know. What's the difference there? Well, if you um, if you do an IV, it's definitely just getting right in your bloodstream. Suppository wise, we have we do have a suppository that the really the only product we had in the beginning, and that does enter the bloodstream really really well. Methylene blue is one of the nutrients that absorbs really well, you know, through the stomach. In fact, when it's mixed with stomach acid, it it almost kind of enhances its absorption a bit, um, and you miss that with the sublingual, right? So the idea of a sublingual is something that doesn't absorb well orally through the gut. Melatonin doesn't, right? So melatonin might make a decent sublingual, but the idea of a sublingual methylene blue is kind of crazy and not necessary. We don't have to have a blue mouth. Um, I know that there's probably, you know, there's a company out there that's not going to be too happy with me spreading this news, but it's just... The experts even talk about the sublingual delivery not being a great method for methylene blue. So we make it into these bars and you kind of throw it in the back of your throat. You drink it, you drink something down, and then it's like right there in the stomach. If you encapsulate it, a lot of times that doesn't, that makes it through the stomach. You want it to actually mix with the stomach acid. That's why we don't have a, a capsule on it. Yeah. So no blue mouth absorption. Yeah. yeah. What about nebulizing it? A liquid. You know, I have, I was last night, I was actually playing around with um, a nasal spray. The problem with methylene blue is that it burns, it kind of aches. And so if you, if you notice, if you, if you got on the internet and you started to try to order some, I think there's one, at least one, maybe two companies with a nasal spray, it's like really, really pale blue. And it's almost not even worth it. I mean, you're getting maybe like one or two milligrams of methylene blue per spray. So it's, so we're, I'm working on some, some buffering agents where, um, uh, we can, we can have a nasal spray, but it's, it's not an easy product to, to create, to be comfortable, but yeah. the concept's great. Right. And I love getting it right up into the brain and. Yeah. And that I was something else that I did. I drop. Yeah. For when I had COVID, I was nebulizing it, but uh, you know, it ended up being a little bit of a disaster because it spilled and stained the kitchen. <laughs> but um, and it did. It, it it was a little irritating, but I felt really good doing it. But I think yeah. just like throwing something in the back of your throat and swallowing is definitely the easiest, and it sounds like the best absorption. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I think it's a good idea. I think that um, you could mix methylene blue with uh, some other uh, things to create like a nice formula for any type of a lung infection. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh if gosh, somebody so had lung cancer, I mean, I think that could be a really good combination. Methylene blue has a, a nice history of, of helping with cancer. So a lot of cancer patients are using, using methylene blue. They're injecting methylene blue into some of these tumors. Really? Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And, and I know you're doing a lot with like the IVs and combining it with photobiomodulation, like are there different colors that you would combine with like the curcumin or the methylene blue IVs? Yeah. So it's red light at at 660 nanometers, which a lot of our like red light panels are kind of around that. So they work. Um, We have an intravenous laser that we use. So um, I don't know that there's a real big reason to do intravenous methylene blue unless you were doing it clinically to take advantage of all that methylene blue being in the bloodstream and then going in and actually exposing the blood directly with the red light primarily as an antimicrobial so if i wanted like a systemic mitochondrial boost to someone you know i might say hey take it orally and then go out spend an hour in the sun or you know get in front of some red light so you're in the tissues but if I have somebody that has Lyme or Epstein-Barr or, you know, severe biotoxin illness or something like that, that I'm really looking to kind of purify the blood, herpes, AIDS. I mean, we've treated a lot of different, you know, chronic infection with this protocol where we, we do high dose um, uh, silver IV because silver mixes with the methylene blue and enhances its photodynamic capacity. So this aspect of blending with the light and being synergistic with the light is really, really fascinating. Then we do uh, the intravenous methylene blue, and then we put this catheter in the IV and and it lights up at the tip of the catheter and the blood just goes by this like kind of lit up catheter. And it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, that's very mm. cool. I want to come do that. Me yeah, too. you should. I definitely would plan come. a trip down there. Yeah. Gosh, well, thank you for letting us pick your brain about methylene blue and melatonin. There's so much more, but I just wanted to circle back to psychedelics quickly before we wrap up. Um, I think it is really important to protect the brain for so many reasons, but with that overactivation. And could you just go through like those compounds that you think are really helpful? And is this specific to more of a macrodose? Would you recommend anything for just microdosing to protect any other basic nutrients that could keep our bodies or and nervous system in balance mm. in these states? Well, I don't think that there needs to be a concern with neuroprotection with microdosing. I think it's more with, you know, Bigger. when people are going on a full journey and they're taking higher doses. And when it comes to microdosing um, psilocybin's the most popular it seems you're really looking to kind of enhance neuroplasticity and improve the communication throughout the brain and you know the serotonin 2a receptors you know that whole narrative and things that can enhance that process would be things that would kind of further enhance like bdnf you know i like a lot of mushroom extracts uh, lion's mane cordyceps, um, reishi, chaga. Reishi, yeah. So those can be some really good things. I, there's some really cool, like Ayurvedic herbs that I really like. Um, like Bacopa can be really good. Um, holy basil 
you know, some of these, some of these compounds that enhance circulation and, and fuel, you know, basically fuel delivery to the brain. Venposamine can be really interesting to, to utilize for enhancing blood circulation in the brain. Yeah. What about Mel- more calming? Melatonin can be really epic too. I think uh, a stack with psilocybin microdosing and then doing the melatonin at night, taking care of your blue spot, right? I mean, if you, yeah. you do that, so methylene blue, I think is like, okay, that's at the top of my list. If you really want to stack two things together, methylene blue and, and microdosing. Thank you for saying that. Cause I think there's a lot of controversy. People are afraid of the serotonin syndrome, like anything that's an MAOI and we're afraid of methylene blue or, you know, other things that fall into that category, like rhodiola or ashwagandha. That's what's so sad. It's the population that most needs it. That is most scared away by what's out on the internet regarding. So let's talk about it. So there's, there's something called serotonin storm when there's just too much serotonin in the system. And because methylene blue works on uh, that serotonin system and mimics SSRIs, if you're on an SSRI or an MAO inhibitor, then it leaves too much serotonin kind of outside. And that can be dangerous if you're taking really high doses of um, methylene blue, where it, you're exceeding the four milligrams per kilogram of body weight, and you're on an SSRI or an MAOI inhibitor. Frank, uh, I'm sorry, Francisco Gonzalez Lima, who's the foremost authority really on methylene blue, really came out and made a statement saying that, you know, it's, it's just terrible because it was based on one study where they were giving people really high IV doses of methylene blue during a surgery that they needed to stain their thymus gland. And so the Mayo Clinic retracted this warning and so did the whole country of Canada, but the FDA didn't. And so because of that, you have like a whole industry with um, psychologists, psychiatrists that could be utilizing methylene blue because all the very encouraging uh, studies that came out on using methylene blue for depression where, you know, what I see with methylene blue is that it's treating depression at its core, which is where there's too much nitric oxide in the system, which is responding from an infection, right? So when we have an infection, our body responds to that infection with nitric oxide. It's part of the macrophages response to to kind of like squash microbes. And so if we have an infection that's chronic, we're going to have high levels of nitric oxide, the bad nitric oxide, inducible nitric oxide, stuff that we don't want, it's leading to a lot of disease and inflammation and cardiovascular disease. And so methylene blue mops up that nitric oxide. And the nitric oxide is directly related to depression. If we have higher nitric oxide, we're depressed. So the people that are depressed are likely having a chronic infection. So why don't we treat the chronic infection Versus, okay, so what does an SSRI do to people? Well, first of all, for most people, it's not really solving the problem. Like they're still depressed. That's why you see so many ads on TV talking about like, well, if your antidepressant isn't working, let's stack this on it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's crazy. And the, the locus cerullus for memory consolidation so that we can mature and we can consolidate our memories and integrate them doesn't pause if there's too much serotonin. So the big argument and with really deep no- knowledge 
neuroscientists are saying, this is the wrong way for us to be approaching depression because of its impact on the locus cirrhosis, and people can't like calm down that noradrenaline response in the brain, then they may feel a little bit better because they're a little bit more alert. So there's, there's some things that are, are better, but you have to be able to have that alert and you have to be able to pause it. And so these SSRIs are terribly detrimental and they're not treating the, the problem. So let's wean people off SSRIs and start to get them on methylene blue and address their chronic infections and treat the problem. Mm, yeah. Powerful. That'd be much better very, answer. Very important. Yeah. Wow. It is really sad that that cycle that most people are in. So thank you for speaking out about mel- methylene blue and melatonin. It's really, really amazing stuff. You're yeah. welcome. Well, Dr. John, if we can ask you one final question, something you can leave our audience with today, a final piece of advice that you would recommend to optimize their health, wellness, anything, what would that be? Well, I've been really enjoying this morning routine that I've been doing. And it's like this ultimate stack where I go to the beach and I ground, right? So grounding is so important because you're you're connected to the earth and it's and it's kind of like balancing the electrons in your body. There's a lot of really good benefit to grounding. And so if your feet are wet, it's the best. So like if wet grass is good, or if if it's not, you can take a hose or something like that. But going to the beach and just getting your feet like in the water is is one of the best. And so I go to the beach and then I, I set up a chair and I watch the sun come up and I do breath work. So I'm that sun gazing in the morning, I think is just really, really powerful because it's it's one of the most powerful things you can do to reset your circadian rhythm and let your brain know, hey, it's time to wake up and this is morning time. And I find that I sleep much, even if I don't watch sunset, watching the sunrise, I think is is just or more important. So for those listening, wake up, go out into your backyard, get your feet on the ground, stare at the sun as it, it's coming up. If one starts to get too too high, be careful. You know, you don't want to expose too much sun to your eyes too quick, but you can adapt. And I've seen people stare at noon sun for five minutes and then be able to read their watch right afterwards. So I've seen it. I'm not th- to that point, but I, you don't want to immediately start looking at the sun when it hurts. You know, that's not that's not healthy, but the sun... The eyes can adapt to sun exposure and it's really safe to look towards the sun, especially when it's first peaking its way up and and sunrise. So don't be afraid of that. There's a lot of benefit. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Love the oranges. And we certainly are believers that we start supporting our sleep first thing in the morning. So thank you for sharing that. Excellent. So where is the... Yeah. Thank you for that. Where's the best place for people to learn more about you, to follow you, connect? Where are you most active? So um, I'm on Instagram at drjohnlaurance.com or drjohnlaurance. And drjohnlaurance.com is a a site that I have um, a lot of educational stuff and some of the events that we do here in Sarasota. And then our clinic is advancedrejuvenation.us. Right. And MitoZen, we've talked about some of the products. It's a club, it's a club-based company. So you have to join to access and then you can shop. So it's mitozen.club. It's a $10 lifetime membership fee. 
we have a lot of great kind of educational stuff behind within that. So it allows me to provide products that might otherwise be, you know, kind of considered prescription because it's members serving other members. So it's a PMA. Excellent. We will definitely share that in the show notes for today. Such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. It was, it was really my pleasure as well. Excellent. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.